What up, guys? Welcome to episode 63 of the Ball Don't Stop podcast. Today I got with me Matt Barnes, um, you know, 16 years in the league, uh, you know, a guy that maximized everything that he was given in the NBA, um, had one hell of a career, seen it all, done it all, been around the top guys, been around the best of the best. Um, when I thought of Matt Barnes, growing, uh, you know, coming up and seeing him throughout his years, um, my, my biggest issue was, you know, is he guarding a, a, a bona fide score? Because this dude's going to make it hard. He was a defensive dog. Um, he knew how to play the game. He knew how to hoop. Uh, he knew how to get after it defensively. You know, it wasn't it wasn't purely on athleticism and just dominance uh, physically, but he knew how to hoop. And you know, you guys know how vocal I am about guys that don't know how to just hoop anymore. You know, this guy was a was a hooper when it came to his role. Got out there, whether it was Kobe, whether it was Melo, whether it was KD, they were in for a night. And and you can ask those guys, and they'll tell you the same thing. Thank you for joining us, Matt. How you been? Man, it's a hell of an introduction, man. I appreciate it. I'm good, man. How about yourself? I've been good, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's refreshing, you know, when I see guys like yourself on TV doing hoops media, um, simply because, you know, I'm, I'm critical of this whole industry nowadays because you got guys that don't really hoop, that don't know the intricacies of the sport, talking about the game. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here like, yo, this is one of the premier defenders of his era. You know, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, man. And I mean, that's why I mean, I chose to do this podcast because I don't think, you know, whether you played or not, the average person understands what it takes to be, you know, one of the one percent, uh, you know, in the world. Uh, and, and even some of the people who are getting, you know, paid a lot of money on these big networks don't understand and say outlandish shit. And it's just like, come on, man. You know, so I, I think. You know, I, I think it's been amazing that more athletes have been able to transition into it because I think that's the realest, deepest, most in-depth look we can give you guys into our sport is from guys who have done it. Um, there's guys such as yourself that, you know, never made it to our level but still have a lot of knowledge and is very fair in your opinions and your, uh, you know, your uh, your analysis of players. You know, so that's why, I've, you know, I've always respected what you've had to say and followed you for a minute, so. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And that, that just came because I think – I was talking to another guy, another player, um, Katie, and he's like, at the end of the day, bro, we're all on the same frequency, whether it's a high school level that you played at, whether it's a, a college or a JUCO or a junior college level or wherever I play. He said, at the end of the day, when that level changes and changes and it changes, it's still, am I the best player in the state? Am I the best player you know, in the league? It, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's the same frequency. If you understand mm-hmm. the game, you understand right. the game. But the foundation of it is hours and hours working on your game, mm-hmm. hours and hours working on a certain move. You know, hours and hours and the anxiety of just, are we going to win tonight? Or uh, am I going to be able to defend this guy in your case tonight? Or how do I cut him off and how do I contain him? Yeah. And, and There's sh- a lot that goes into it. You know what I mean? I think people just think we go out there and play basketball and it's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, I, mean, I was someone who was, a, you know, a, a defensive specialist. So, you know, every night I was guarding the best players in the world, whether that be Kobe, AI, uh, Melo, LeBron, KD, Ginobili, D. Wade, like no off, Rip Hamilton, like there's no off nights, um, Clay Thompson, you know, so the people I'm guarding every night. So, I mean, it starts, you know, two or three days before because it probably would start further before, but we probably have another game, you know, so I'm taking, you know, as much time as I can studying these guys move, knowing their every move. And the one thing about basketball is a great offense is always going to be great defense, but you just want to make them earn it. You know, every time I played against Kobe, I wanted to make him earn it. You know, if he's going to have 30 points, he has to take 30 shots. You know what I mean? If KD's going to have 30 points, he's going to have to take – and he's super efficient. I'm going to make him take 
you know, 25 to 30 shots, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was nothing easy, you know, if they got you beating, going in for easy layup, foul them, make them earn it, just let them know it was just going to be a long night. But like I said, people think, you know, you defensive stopper, like it's, you don't really stop, you want to contain these guys because they're so talented, you're not going to stop them. If they have an off night, it's most likely because they had a bad shooting night. So you just want to make it hard for every point they get that they have to really earn. Exactly, <laughs> and that's what I was telling my boy. I was like, yo, there's no such thing as stopping a guy like this. <clears throat> you hope they miss. You do your best job and you hope they miss. Right. Like, you know how it is. These guys are 99 overall when it comes to making shots. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And in playing with, like, Steph and KD my last uh, year, seeing their post workouts, you know, after practice and the crazy balance, and all those crazy sh shots that Steph shoots and makes, and people, oh, that shit was luck. That's not luck because he works on them. You know, both hands, crazy floaters, flips, off the glass, English spin. All these, you know, pivot spin moves they do, off-balance shooting. Like, these guys really work on these shots every day. You know what I mean? So when you think it's luck, it's like, no, these guys have practiced these shots a lot. So it's just amazing to see, you know, what they're able to do. And as a defender, like I said, you just want to make it hard. You're not going to make it easy. You know, you're going to cut off where they want to go and make them do something else. But still, most of the time, they're going to do what they do. Right. And then, you know, you got a situation where you, you, you've seen I – think, I think you might have seen – some of the best scorers, probably top five scorers the game has seen, you might have seen them at their peak. Yeah. I'm talking the Mellows, I'm talking the KDs, AI. and I'm talking the God, Kobe Bryant. AI, Kobe, AI. Shaq. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I play with a lot of superstar. you know, played with and against a lot of, you know, Hall of Fame guys, you know, guys that go down in history, you know, Chris Paul in his prime, um, you know, guarding James Harden. Um, you know, the list goes on. So I think I was kind of the end of one era, which was the era I was more accustomed to, the more physical kind of, you know, get in your face, really play defensive era. And I think throughout my career, it kind of turned into like almost flag football. And when I got out in 2017, you know, there was really an emphasis on, you know, not touching the offensive player at all, you know. So, so I kind of think that, you know, my time, I was in and out at a perfect time. You know what I mean? I think I got a taste of, you know, two awesome eras. And, uh, you know, this new era is not about – defense and, and locking people down. That's why people who do, you know, play defense, you know, they stand out like a sore thumb, you know, like right, the right. P.J. Tuckers, the Trevor Arizas, right. the guys that, you know, the Drew Holidays, the guys that really go out there and try to lock down. It's just like they really stand out because it's, it's few yeah. and far. You saw that era where it was slow down. You walked that shit up. We're in a half court. Call a play every time yeah. down. Yeah, I played for Stan Van Gundy yeah. um, in Orlando, and he was a guy every single time down the court, he'd want Jameel or Jason Williams to look over him and get the play. And then I was just like, this is some bullshit. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that wasn't really, like I said, that was the end, kind of the end of that. Yeah. And it started becoming, you know, you trust your point guards more to kind yeah. of be the quarterback on the floor and call the game for you. You know, if you see something as a coach, you call. But, you know, most good coaches, you know, they kind of get out of the way. You know what I mean? So I think once that era started and they started empowering their point guards, the, the coaches kind of just stepped back, and that's when you really kind of saw the game, like, go to that next level as right. far as scoring and, and pace of play. Exactly. And then I think, you know, from a from a scorer standpoint, I think that era that you're talking about might have been harder to play in. Yeah. That, that 2000, this is what I always talk about when we right. talk about Kobe. I say, look, this man played against the toughest defenses of any scorer. Along with Gilbert, along with AI, along with T Mac, these are the guys that had to walk it up every time, had a defender in their face. They couldn't use their athleticism on every possession. Lanes were clogged. Kobe used to have like three guys guarding him. You know what I mean? It's one time I told, one time we were um, on a plane to, in the preseason to go, I think we were going to Spain because yeah. um, we had Powell with us. 
but I seen Kobe over in the corner and I thought he was over like we were on these big where you like can sleep in your little area and I couldn't sleep when I seen him up and he had his headphones and he was over there bobbing I thought he was like rapping uh, let me hear what this dude is doing so I went over there and he had a bunch of different um, like little uh, courts drawn up all over the, maybe 30 different courts and he's just like I never look at the first defender I'm looking for the help side, and I'm looking for that third guy. And Kobe wasn't worried about just the main defender. It was the, you, like you said, it was the help side. It was help side. It was the second and third defender. He was watching to to realize like where we'd be open out on the court. You know, wow. so I mean that era was different. We'd we'd load the guys, we'd shade the guys, almost run doubles sometimes. You know, that's how attention to detail defense was back then. Uh, you know, but then we 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 transitioned. The game transitioned into more of a full court. Run and gun. I kind of think, uh, you know, we did that with the We Believe team in 07, you know what I mean, where they had me and Steven Jackson playing center and power forward, just the up and down game. And that really opened the game up for scores. And then they started changing, you know, the, the, the contact rules on defense and really just made it an offensive game, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, and, it's and, much and, different. And I think, like, it's crazy because that We Believe, that Nuggets with the Mellow and AI and that Suns team, I think you guys were kind of ahead of your time. You guys were playing in the wrong era in a way. Small ball in before it was... Like it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, like I said, I think, you know, Don Nelson was one of the, the masterminds behind that, um, that, that small ball thing. And then Phoenix took it, you know, to another level. Yeah. And then Golden State mastered it. That's what I'm you saying. You know what I mean? So it was kind of the evolution. And, uh, you know, that's where the game was going. Now, can you imagine if... You know, James Harden sometimes gets, you know, 15 to 20 threes in the game. Can you imagine if Reggie Miller got that many, you That's know, three-point attempts in the game? You know what I mean? Like, the pace of play is, is just different. Can you imagine if, if Mike got to the line 22 times a game? That's you know, so it's – the pace is different, and it's hard to kind of compare eras. But, like I said, it's definitely – I think it was tougher to score. And that's not taking anything away from today's scores because they were amazing. It was just tougher to score back then. Right. And, um, you know, you know this because – and as a defender – in terms of this pace, does it get erratic at times where you're like, damn, I don't even have a chance to stay in front of my guy. It's just so up and down. Uh, I mean, th th that's, that, that's not allowed. You got to get out. You know what I mean? Like, you got to. I was always one of the most in shape people. Uh, you know, I, I really prided myself on being the most in shape. Like, that was my thing, being the most in shape and having the most heart. That's what got me 15 years. And, like, in just my competitive nature, like the dog in me got me 15 years in the, in the NBA. So summertime, I kill myself. You know, I'm always running miles, running in the sand, running hills. So during the season, it was nothing. You and that's I mean? another thing people forget. Like, you guys train every single day. Yeah. Well, people don't – it's like, a, you know, the, the season is eight months. You yeah. get a 12 months in a year. The season is eight months. When the season's over, if you're lucky, you get a month off because you don't want to get too far out of shape. And then you train those prior three months leading into the season. Right. So you're training 11 out of 12 months a year. And that's what, you know, when, you know, when I started getting further down in the years, I'm just like – God damn, this is a lot, and I don't really have enough time to like be with my kids, and I'm missing time with my kids because I'm playing in a different city. So it was just like that was kind of one of the things. It's just like, man, I need to, I'm ready to step away because it's consuming. As much as I love it, it's consuming so much of my time, and I can't get this time back with my kids. And I, you know, I chose. And my that, kids. that's the one thing I always <clears throat> noticed with you, though. Like, if I took you in 07, 09, like it, there was no drop in ability, there was no drop in like a step, there was no drop in your conditioning. Like, you were good the whole way. You yeah. were on the same level pretty much the whole way. Well, my whole thing was I just, you know, I learned early on to, to know what my role is. I knew what my role was. That's why I played for the amount of time I played for and stepped away. I could have continued to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I knew what my role was. And I remember Doc Rivers one time said, be a star in your role. You know what I mean? So 
shit has to be done. Let me be a star or whatever the fuck I had to do. So if that was being the garbage man, the, you know, the defensive, the, you know, the, the stopper, the intimidator, the protector, you know, someone that can knock down corners, like whatever the situation may be, just master that role. And I think that's where guys lose their careers is because everyone wants to come in and be Kobe. Yep. Everyone wants to come in and be KD. And that's not, you know, there's, those guys are freaks, first of all, but there's, you know, there's one or two guys on each team. Everyone else has a role. You know, as good as when Golden State was in their heydays, they had two superstars. Right. But they had four all-stars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Clay and Draymond were like is the best type of role players you've probably ever seen. Superstar but they were role players. players you yep. know what I mean? Because Steph and KD were the superstars. Yeah. And they all and then Andre Iguodala. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these guys as good as and talented, they were role players and they all accepted their role. And that's what, you know, that's what makes people team special and that's what allows guys to have and play as long as they want. That now with that with that twenty sixteen seventeen that was the squad right you were on yeah you were on that you guys won the chip that year you saw the whole process and you know you had seen you had gone deep before like you mm-hmm. knew by then what it takes either way mm-hmm. I know people are stupid they think oh if you don't have a chip next to your name you don't know what it takes to win like by no. then you already fucking knew no. so that squad when you look at that squad I'm telling people all the time yeah they were stacked but bro shit had to go right the whole way like they had to get the right breaks a lot to, of luck mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand like. 82 games, preseason playoffs, to be playing in July or June every single year, a lot of luck has to happen. And as good as luck as they had, we had, you know, when they won the two, I won the one with them, and they just had the worst type of flip luck this past season where everyone got hurt. You're right. You know what I mean? So it's just a lot depends on luck, um, being able to stay healthy. You know, if, if it comes down to healthy teams, you know, you continue to win, but a lot has to fall in place. You know what I mean? Some years they played with against, you know, Cleveland without Kyrie. And, you know, there were injuries along the way when we were playing there. You know, Kawhi Leonard was busting our ass that, that year in the playoffs, and then he gets hurt. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. stuff happens, and, and it really changes the momentum. And I think Golden State got, the like, the, the best of the best and the absolute worst of the worst. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that, you know, People still forget, like, yo, they were up against Kyrie, LeBron, K-Love. Like, that was a fucking squad. That right there was a monster you guys were up against. Like, you had to do everything right. You know, people don't look at those games. Like, if KD don't hit that shot in game three, you know, it's 2-1. Then you're going back to Cleveland again. No, they were battles. They they were definitely battles. And Cleveland had very, you know, they were good teams. You know, LeBron did what he had to do to get him there. But, you know, Golden State's chemistry, I think, is what set those, set those guys apart. Um, you know, they really knew each other like the back of their hand. And, you know, it was a joy to go to work every day. And like I said, the guys accepted their roles. Guys bought into what they had to do. You know what I mean? It wasn't always, you know, in their best interest, but they realized, okay, if we all do our part, we'll win championships. And, you know, and that's what they did. Were, and, you, were you ever, like, in one of those guys' here, like, look, bro, you're going to have to sacrifice – a little bit here, here, a little bit here, and this is going to be the end goal because you know what it's like. I to... had talks with Clay actually. I remember because he was doing a great job guarding Kyrie, but I think one game he went like 0 for 9 or 0 for 10, and I can just tell it. Clay doesn't say much, and I could just tell by his body language, you know, that he was really kind of on himself, you know. Yeah. So I hit him up and just tried to tell him, you know, like we wouldn't be here without you. You know what I mean? The reason why Steph is out here dropping 30 is because you're guarding Kyrie. You know what I mean? Right. So you're not wearing state. So you're a huge part of this team. Who gives a shit if you go 0 for 20? You know, we need your presence. We need you as a threat out there and keep fucking playing defense. You know what I mean? And the title turn, and Clay's always one shot away from hitting 15 shots in a row anyway. You know what I mean? So, you know, along that time, like I said, it's not easy. You know what I mean? 
those guys are super talented and on, on different teams they can be able to show their full package but everyone kind of sacrificed what they had to sacrifice you know for the greater good of the team right and you talk about um you know the way you said with clay like yo steph got to hit 30 because he didn't have to guard Kyrie. he was in his tax defensively and um you know, I think that comes back to my point of stats don't mean shit at the end of the day. Like, you don't see the littlest things. What if Clay's yeah. cutting his man off every single fucking small, time? It's small things, yeah. you know, and while we're talking about Golden State, like, it's the small things that uh, Draymond does, that Iggy does, that Clay do, that don't go seen for KD and Steph to be able to put up these monstrous numbers. You know, although right. I'm not saying that, they, that Steph and KD didn't play defense because they did, but there was things that those, those three guys that I just mentioned did on the defensive end that allowed these guys to be the superstars right. on the offensive end. Right, and that comes back to my point of how tough it is and how every fucking thing has to go right no matter how much talent you have yeah. in order to even get in a position to win a chip. And you saw that firsthand, and I think yeah. you kind of earned that ring. Like, you put your years in and played the shit the right yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it was, my, my, it was bittersweet for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so that year started, <clears throat> KD and I were talking in the summertime um, you know, I was leaving the, uh, where was I at? Memphis. I was with the Clippers and, and Katie and I started talking like it would be dope to, you know, play together. Right. And just kind of every time I see him, it was done serious, but every time it's cause we just, uh, you know, we battled, you know right. what I mean? So I thought it'd be dope to play with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the idea to go to Golden State came and then, you know, the other guys from there, the, the, the team started getting on him and we talked along the whole process. You know, I talked to him the morning he, uh, had decided and after he signed, there was just wasn't much wiggle room to to really do what I you know f for me to sign. So I ended up signing a three year deal in Sacramento, right. and just figured I'd retire in my hometown. So then fast forward to the All Star break, yeah. where uh, Boogie gets traded. Um, you know I'm in a position where like you know we were close to the A spot. The first you know I'm in my hometown, a brand new arena. We could bring some real excitement to Sacramento, get back in the playoffs, play the Warriors, win a game, possibly <laughs> yeah, possibly yeah. get our asses kicked, but. You know, just bring some excitement back to sack. Yeah. And at the All-Star break, they trade Boogie. So I'm in a position where I'm like, well, damn, I'm not trying to rebuild. I'm almost, you know, I'm almost done. Right. You know what I mean? So it was a situation where, you know, I talked to Vladi, and we, we felt the best thing to do was to part ways. So I became a free agent. So then I hit Draymond, and he's just like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell Bob, let's talk to Steve. And then and within that process is when KD gets hurt in Washington. Right. So I'm with my kids at Kentucky Fried Chicken. We just got done playing basketball, and I get a call from, um, I think it was Bob Meyer or Steve. It was either Bob or Steve, um, you know, that they needed me to come on. And, you know, Katie had just went down, and, you know, I had to fly. Like, I left the next morning, flew all day, and then played, like, 25 minutes against Chicago that next night, you know, and that's how I kind of wow. got initiated. So. You know, played well, played my role. And then the game, KD came back like a week before the playoffs. I had a really bad ankle sprain, like I almost broke my ankle. And Remember I was this. out, you know what I mean? So to me, this championship was bittersweet. It was an amazing experience. I'm glad my kids got to experience. I'm glad I can say like, hey, I won a championship. But I don't. you'll never catch me saying that because I'm the kind of person like my whole career, like I fought for like a championship. I took less money along the way. You know, nothing was ever given to me. So I kind of felt like it was a free ride because I really didn't get to, get to play in the playoffs because I was hurt. By the time I felt okay to play, it was like the almost, we were 8-0 in the, in, in the playoffs already. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So our rotation set, the chemistry set. So it's kind of like, I'm not just going to disrupt this chemistry. Right. So I kind of just had to sit back and be a cheerleader and talk to guys, motivate guys, still work hard, you know, just be a vet when I'm supposed to do, you know, right. not sulk and bullshit and pout. Like, like I said, it was still a tremendous opportunity. I'm getting to fuck around with these future Hall of Famers, you know what I mean? So it was a tremendous opportunity, but 
I really just don't count it as a championship because I wasn't out there guarding LeBron. I wasn't out there guarding these guys along the path and the blood and sweat they put into that shit right. to win the championship. Now, now some would say like, oh, you earned it over your career, and I agree with that. But like to me, like when it mattered, I wasn't out there. So it's kind of like it's it's dope, but that's deep though. Like that's a <clears throat> real shit, bro. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of dudes out there that would be like, yo, fuck it, I got a chip, I got a yeah, chip. Yeah, I, I mean that's chip. what I, you don't never, you'll never hear me talking about it. You know what I mean? When I do ESPN and Fox, they'll I mention that it. I that I you know I won a championship, but you'll never see me like, yeah, I got a, I got it. I'm like, I don't, I don't. That's not me. That's that that's yeah. respect, bro. Because yeah. you come from that era of competitiveness. You come yeah. from that era of well, just my career, man. I grinded my whole career, mm-hmm. man. My whole career. You know, nothing was ever given to me, and I kind of felt like that shit was given to me. So it's right, just right, like, right. yeah, and I, not that I don't accept it. Like the best part about it was, like my twins were on for the ride, so they were traveling with us on the team plane in the hotel. They're at the practice. They're having shootouts with Steph and KD during the Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? Sick. So they got to experience that when we won the championship. You see my twins right up there with Steph and KD, like right in the mix on ESPN. Everyone's like, "Yo, the twins are out there wilding out." So <laughs> I think that was the dopest part about it for me was that, you know, my two eight-year-old. Twins at the time got to experience an wow. NBA championship with you know these future Hall of Famers. That famous. shit is big because they play they play basketball themselves. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when you see that level as a kid, there's not a player in your city in your state that can phase you. Like you've no. seen at the end. <laughs> that's the one good. Thing. It's funny because I coach them in basketball, and that's yeah. the one thing. Be, that's the one thing that sets my kids apart because I'm not the kind of dad that's gonna push them. Let's go work out. And some of their friends work out, and some of their friends are better than them, skilled. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And do better. But the twins know the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they've been around Chris Paul, they've been around Kobe, they've been around Steph and KD, like they've watched these teams and fuck with these players, so, you know, they know how to run a pick and roll, a pick and pop, a a slip, you know what I mean, and they're only 10 years old, you know, they know the game, so now that they're finally, they're coming up on 11, like they're like, dad, let's go work out now, so I'm excited now, because now I'm going to start, okay, let's start matching that, you know, the actual physical skill with this upstairs, and they're going to be tough, but we got a dope little, shout out G1 Elite, you know, 10 Red. We got a dope little uh, uh, 10U team, man. I see, you, I see you doing your thing. So are yeah. you planning on being in-depth with that and coaching it? Because yeah, I know, I'm a, I know AU yeah. gets fucked up and messy. I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach my boys all the way through, um, you know, until they jump to college. You know, I just it, – it's a messy situation, you know, and I think we got a good group of kids. I like to kind of keep this group of kids and, and bring them up together. That would be dope. You know, we know their families. We all hang out and just kind of protect them because the AU is a mess. It, you it, know what it, I mean? It, and it, I'm not going to let no, you know, no slick shit ever happen to these kids because they're like family to me. Right, so. right. And then – you see the way AAU has affected the league. You got guys coming into the league that you that they're like fucking kids. It's like, yo, you were in an AAU tournament yesterday. Now you're in the league. Yeah. Now you're making millions. Well, see, it, it's it's fans. You know what I mean. And, and now it's a thing to hold kids back. You know, or prep school or whatever. So you got kids that are you know going to be freshmen that are like 20 years old. You know what I mean? I was just turning 18. You know when I was a freshman. You know what I mean? Like 18. I was. You know, Bro, is that freshman, shit even so. healthy though? It's weird. I, I just think, I mean, it's, it just kind of is weird. You have to adapt. You have to evolve. I don't know if I agree with it. I kind of feel like AU plays, like kids play too much. Like their bodies are so worn down by the time, if they're lucky enough to make it to the league, yeah. their bodies are worn down. You know what I mean? They played so many games. So that's why I'm like, I'm not, I don't really let my, my twins, like the kids on their team play in other teams and tournaments all the time. And I don't, I don't want my kids doing that. Like I want them to be able to kind of, transgress and you know go like this instead of hitting a plateau and, and, and bottoming out but it's a fucking burnout you got guys that are playing 10 games on the fucking weekend you got training Crazy. you got all this shit going kids on playing like two or three Bro. different levels and age groups and i'm all for the competition but you got to like you're burning your to me i think you're burning your kid out 100%. you know what i mean so it's 100%. to each his own i'm never gonna tell no one how to parent but i just know 
I, I know what it took for me to get there and for me to last 15 years. So like I said, it, my kids are going to progress steadily. They're not going to, you know, be up uh, here and then do this or do this. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think, um, I think, like you said, like you did this shit, and I want to get back to your career, man, because a lot of people see you on TV and it's like, they don't know like how fucking hard 16 years, the days you're sore, the nights where you're, you know, fuck, I can't play tomorrow. Like, Man, I had a lot of those. I, I played through, you know what I mean? To me, I, I was a football player. I had a football player. I played football is my first sport. I chose basketball in college and ran with it. But I had a football player's mentality. So I played through broken shit, badly sprained ankles. Like I had a football player mentality. So the only time I really didn't play is like when I had knee surgery and then the injury with the Warriors when I really almost broke my ankle. Besides that, like the only time I didn't get play is when I got kicked out. You know wow. what I mean? That's the only time that I wasn't playing. You know, I used to take pride in trying to play 82 games a year. Um, you know, so it was, it was just a, a constant grind and battle, and I loved it. I'm going to get into some of the guys you got to play with, but I've been of the belief since about 2017 at least that KD is the best player in the sport right now. And, you know, he's sidelined and he's hurt. How was that process seeing a guy at that level every day in his peak at going for his... Incredible. Incredible. I don't think, I think people get too lost in hating on these guys today, oh, yeah. whether it's Steph, LeBron, KD, and not realizing the greatness you're witnessing. You know, people get so caught up in, in hating on KD for his move or hating LeBron for doing this or Steph for being that yeah. instead of really like, you're witnessing history right yeah. now. Like, yeah. these are, they're going to talk about these guys a hundred years from now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of, so to be able to see KD on a, on a day, day in, day in basis, um, from game to practice, the way he prepares. Same thing with Steph. Yeah. It's like, fuck. <laughs> like, these dudes are amazing. Bro, you know what I mean? It's like, Steph, our kid, he is like a, you know, like a, a, a seven-foot Steph. You know, and if you kind of think about it, he can handle, he can do all the same. Like, yeah. when they work out, they work out together. You know what yeah. I mean? Exact same moves. They work out with Steve Nash, the stuff they do. So, yeah, yeah. to see KD, like I said, continue to do this, because I remember when we came, you know, when I played with the We Believe team, it was his first, year I want to say maybe no it was the first year or the second year no it was his first year in the league yeah and we used to just me and Steven Jackson used to just try to bully the shit out of him and he he was and he was you know wasn't as strong and everything but I just knew I was like this motherfucker is gonna be good you know so to see that and people trip out when I say KD is the best player and it's not taking away from what LeBron has been able to do his legacy where LeBron ranks in, in the history of the game but currently before this Achilles injury which is fucked up um, KD was the best player. He there wasn't a, he didn't have a weakness in his game, no. and he was playing defense. And people don't give him credit for that. He was you know, up there in blocks. He was up there locking people up, and he was really committed to winning. You know what I mean? And like I said, it doesn't take away nothing from what you know what LeBron has done. You know, but for there was a minute there up until he tore his Achilles that KD was the best player on the planet. Absolutely, and I think we live, man. We live in a sensitive ass society now. If you praise one, it's like that you means know, you hate the other. No, nah. it's like all or nothing. Like LeBron's still the shit. You know what I mean? I think LeBron, yeah. LeBron will be in the running for the MVP this year. I yeah. think he, you know, I saw him this summer at because our kids play AU and I, I, uh, they were uh, Bronny was playing when the Twins were playing, so I went over and talked to him. Shooting the shit a little bit, I was just like, LA's a lot, right? It's just like, it's a lot more than basketball. And he looked at me like, man, god damn. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just a constant situation. And me being on the other side in the media now, when I worked for Fox and ESPN, every single time it was a LeBron topic. Every time. Every fucking day, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, let this man breathe for a second. And you know what I mean? And it's just like, 
when you come to LA, it's just so much more than basketball. And, um, you know, no, you, you can't maybe New York, but I would say LA is kind of more now because they've been more relevant in the basketball scene than the New York scene has been in a long time. So it's just a lot of shit when you come to LA. And I think he took it all on the chin. Uh, last year, and I think he's going to be a monster this year. Yeah, he he's a competitor. At the end of the day, as big as he is, and as dominant as his run has been, and as big of a star as he is, he has fun. But at the end of the day, that dude is a competitor. He knows what Hell the fuck yeah. is happening. Yeah, and that's why I laugh when people say, "Oh, he came here not to win or not to like." He only has one way to fucking go. No, you know, right. this guy is is a winner. It is you a great I mean? venue. You can say what you want about his final record, but look at the teams he took to the finals on his back. You know, I mean, this man's a motherfucking winner. So just because he's capitalizing and being more than an athlete. Don't discredit his his reason for being in LA. He came to LA to try to win a championship. That's mm-hmm. his goal. You know exactly. What I mean? so. And if he if he he's reached a point where yo you could do whatever the fuck you want. You're LeBron James. Come on, man. You're LeBron. I mean, he's he's paid his dues. He has the yeah. right to have a say so in everything that's going on in the organization. Like that's how it's supposed to go. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And it just kind of is what it is. And I think they. You know, they, they've built a good team because I was, you know, I was harsh on, uh, you know, Rob Palenka and, and Jeannie, you know, for them. I thought that was their weakness was the front office. But it looks like that, you know, they put some solid guys together that can really play. Um, I think if they get Andre Iguodala, that would be huge, not only on but off the court, um, bringing those guys together. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if the Lakers are playing the Clippers or, you know, or, or playing Golden State in the Western Conference Finals next year. We're in uh, we're in LA right now, and you know, going around the city, and it's like, oh shit, we forgot the Clippers play here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> you're not gonna be able to forget that anymore, man. The yeah. boys are on. Uh, I I really like to me, their it, it it's their championship to lose from a standpoint. And last year they had a team that had no superstars, but just a bunch of hungry players that bought into Doc's system. Great, everyone played their role to a T. You know what I mean? So you add two selfless superstars, probably two of the best two-way players in the game, yep. to a team that aren't big ego guys, guys that just come in and fit into a team that was already locked in. You know what I mean? And I think those those two guys that went over there, they're taking pride. Like, people ask me, if you come back for a year, would you go to the Lego, the Clippers? I would go to the Clippers from a standpoint. We took pride with that Lob City team of putting the Clippers back on the map. Like, right. we have one of the most talented teams. We just had a lot of internal headbutting. But we took pride in making the Clippers their first instead of adding to the, the Lakers kind of legacy, right. you know, whatever it may be. So I, I'm sure these guys look at it the same way. Like, yo, we have a chance to do something that, you know, we have a chance to do a first, you know, to win a Clipper championship. You know, it'll always be a Laker town. Don't ever get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. But the Clippers could possibly be the better team. But, I mean, they're, they're, Lakers and Clippers are going to be up there this year. Especially with Kawhi. I know, look, like Kawhi, he, he came to – Came to our fucking country, won us a chip, left. We we were grateful Whew. for that. That's a G move, man. That's a G ass move, and you know, um, him being he, you could tell he wants his own legacy and wants his own path. And I think that that point you make about the Clippers is huge. If you put this team on and they take that next step, and bro, you guys were going deep too with that Clippers team. You were supposed to go deep. Bad luck, oh, yeah. a few years. Bad luck, and like yeah. I said, just you know, there was some in- internal stuff going on. But as far as talent, man, we were talented. Bro. You know, people don't understand how deep we were. Like we had uh, one year, we had CP, JJ, Karan Butler, uh, Blake, and DeAndre starting, and then. 
Bledsoe at the one, Crawford at the two, me at the three, Lamar Odom at the four. Fuck. <laughs> and Turry off for Ryan Hollins at the five. Bro. Like, we were deep as fuck. And then Grant Hill. Yeah. And Danny Granger. And Doc at coach. You know, and uh, yeah, was that, it was, was that Del Negro or Doc then? We had Del Negro one year and then yeah, Doc yeah, for yeah. two years. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So we were deep, but we just, you know, we just, we couldn't get out of our way. And then sometimes we had bad luck with injuries and shit, but we were a deep, we should have won a championship with that team. There's no doubt in my mind. But that comes back to my point. Everything has to go oh, yeah, right. It has to line up. It has to be perfect. Everything. And then it's tough. You see that Clippers team, and it's like you guys did as much as you could, and it was time to part ways. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's career kind of changed from that breakup. Right. Right. I, I, you know, I was when I first saw it, I was just like, damn, because I know they had just given. You know, cause to me, it's people think like look at basketball as a business. You know what I mean? And I understand that, but to me, it's like friendships. So, so when I saw that they traded Blake, that kind of bothered me. I'm just like, damn, you just gave this man his contract, and now you're trading him, and you know the the. There was a lot of shit going on, you know, with all the guys. Like, everyone on their way out, there was kind of some funny shit going on with that Clipper team on the way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see that. But I think at the end of the day, it was the best. You know what I mean? It was, it was the, I think, Blake, you know, got to a fresh start in, in Detroit and, and got to get back to the Blake Griffin that yep. I played with where he's one of the best players in the world. Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? And then the Clippers, you know, got good pieces in the trade and, and started their new little run and in the core of their team now. So... I think it worked out for both, but that, you know, it was unfortunate that we didn't really take advantage of the talent we had on that. That happens, but then, then there was teams where you felt like, I felt like you guys just, and I love Don Nelson because, philosophy because I tell kids all the time, just go fucking hoop. Listen, yeah. Don, Donnie Nelson let you guys go hoop and dope. look what the fuck happened. That shit was fun, man. <laughs> that was fun, and it was, you know, it was just a team of like, Hoopers, bro. Yeah, just like just from fucked up situations. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I was on my way out of the NBA and possibly trying to play football. Steven Jackson just got into some shit mm-hmm. um, in, in Indiana. Uh, you know, Baron had just got there, and it, it's kind of an up and down situation. And all of it just came together. You know, and we really started fucking with each other. And then that was the one thing. Like, Nelly just let us go out there and play, man. And you got to think, like, all that that whole We Believe movement, all that shit happened, like, at the trade deadline till the end of the season. You know, we really right. never got a, a, a chance to turn the corner because that next summer we were supposed to go after KG. Wow. So we were supposed oh, to get, fuck, we were supposed to get KG yeah, 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 and yeah. trade Jason Richardson, you know, which was, you know, we kind of – it was crazy because, you know, Jay Rich was, the, you know, the guy that kind of started there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it was – great to do it with them but we were supposed to try to go to go out from what I was told we were supposed to try to go after KG trade Jay Rich get KG and then make and run it back that next year and then the trade fell through I guess or the situation fell through we ended up trading Jason Richardson for Brandon Wright which you know Brandon Wright's cool but you know losing Jason Richardson was was tough and in the beginning of that season when my mom died from cancer so that shit was just like a train wreck after that first uh, that we believe run so It was too bad with that team. We didn't really get a chance to build and run because the NBA, the world was scared of that team. Big you know, time. That was, Big that time. was a dope-ass team. And if we would have got KG too, ooh, it would have been ugly. And I think KG, I think <clears throat> KG is, I think KG is, I consider that dude the best, most talented power forward I've seen, bro. And, and it's like, if you had put him with Baron yourself, mm. all these guys coming off the bench, the passion that he had, the energy that he had. KG's one of my favorite players, but we always butted heads against each other because we're both dogs. Right, right, Like, right. I never backed down. Obviously, he's never going to back down, but we had our run-ins, our elbows, our spats, our shit-talking. Yeah. But I love KG. Like, he is, he was, he was the complete package, man. You know, and he's up there. It, it's tough to say, you know, for, for, 
complete package. Uh, it's tough, bro. It's tough, you can't you go know? wrong with anyone. Tim Duncan, yeah, you know, you, you got you got Dirk. Yeah. You got you got KG. You know, you got you got Malone. You Carl got Carl Malone. You got fucking. It's you tough, got ADs position, young, man. You know, but it's tough. It's, it's tough. Position. You can't go wrong with anyone, yeah. though. But it's like, you know. KG was a monster. Yeah. I loved KG. And I loved his energy more than anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? His energy more than He was just, I'm sure, never played with them. <coughs> but it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's contagious. Right. The whole team is like, you know what I mean? That's how I want to play. That's how I always play. So <coughs> I would have loved a chance to uh, play with KG. Now, you got to play with Kobe after. And again, like I said, you can't go wrong with either Kobe and Mike are the two best to me that I've seen. I agree. Yeah, and I agree. it's crazy. Before we go, it's crazy to me how people jump LeBron. Like we're talking, the, the, the talk is now MJ LeBron, and I don't understand how LeBron jumped Kobe. I don't get it. Like that shit trips me out. But that's another conversation. We'll go ahead and say what you said. That, that, that's what I'm like. The, I think the real like every single dude that I've spoke to that's played in the league, it's like yo, it's Kobe and Mike, man. Yeah, it's Kobe and Mike, and you guys know because you've been in the foxhole. But I'm just seeing the guy was a fucking menace. Like he had defenders at his mercy. If you're talking about skill, the footwork, the handle, the shot making, the post game, the instincts, the feel for the game, the, the mind, the work the, ethic, bro, the the sacrifice, the playing through anything. Man. Motherfucker played through anything, man. Like he was playing against him and playing with him was just it, it was just a pleasure. You know what I mean? Like I missed MJ by one year. Yeah. But I got to play with, you know, the next best thing. Yeah. You know, and play with him and play against him and, and develop a friendship after basketball. Um so it was dope. Like I said, we went I started, you know, playing against Cole when I was at UCLA. He would come up and work out um at UCLA when he first got here because he was I think he's only two, he just turned forty one. So yeah, he's yeah, two yeah. he's two years older than me. So when he came out here he was a kid, you know what I mean? So UCLA he would be up at UCLA a lot. I remember the one year he broke his right hand the whole entire time he was hurt. He worked did a workout left handed. Wow. The whole entire time, and I don't know if what year it was, but you remember that next year he came back hitting all those shots left-handed. It would trip people out. He worked on that shit the whole entire time. His hand was in that cast. Like that's what kind of like sicko he was. So it was, he was like to see that to see he, he he was like a beautiful mind. Absolutely, you know man. what I mean. So to, so to see that on both sides as far as going against them as a teammate was dope. And I think I always tell people, man, just feel the energy in a game. And you'll tell, and it'll tell you who the, who the real motherfuckers in this game are. Like, I remember the building used to shake when AI played. But I remember when Kobe was at his, when Kobe was always, that shit was like basketball brilliance. You could feel it, the crowd on the road. Like, yeah. you could, and you got to see it up yeah. close and personal. How was that? Uh, to see what AI, AI was playing with AI was dope. I didn't get a chance to really play. I was like I was two and a half years in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really didn't get a chance to play. So I had the best I had the best seats every single game to watch AI. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to see what he goes through off the court. Yeah. You know what I mean? How being how small he is and how beat up he would get the way he sacrificed his body every night. Like he had like tennis balls on his elbows like this. That's why he always wore those those things with the pads because he had big bursts of sacks on his elbows, knees beat up, hips beat up. But that motherfucker went to war every single night and left it out there. And the world loved him. Everywhere we went, it was insane. Yeah. And then Kobe, same thing. You know what I mean? Kobe was just a different type, but <clears throat> surgical with everything. And everywhere we went, they loved Kobe. And then uh, with that Golden State team, 
you know, everywhere we went, it was rock star shit, you yeah. know. So it was it was cool to kind of see what those guys get on and off the court. How often did you just sit back and kind of like ever get a chance to go like, holy fuck? I never did that until I finished playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was just so in the moment all the time. I just enjoyed. That's why, you know, my, I think any of those guys I played with would take me to war with them just because I was always in the moment. I'm always ready to go to war. You know what I mean? So I didn't, I didn't sit back and realize like, damn, I played against Kobe. I played with Kobe till after. Damn, I played with Stephen KD. I was part of Lob right. City. I was part of We Believe. Like, I didn't think about none of that shit until I was done playing. And I think one of the guys that gets um, over, like, you play with some great, great talent, some of the best the game has seen. Top 10, top 20, top 5, top 3. Baron Davis Ooh. is one of the... don't know. Most people don't know Baron because... Baron could have stayed healthy. Baron would have been a top 5 point guard in the history of the game. I agree. He didn't have a weakness in his game. Total from, package. From picking up full court on defense to locking up a 3 or 4 man to posting up, to oh passing, God. to breaking you down, to shooting. And he, he could dunk on you have, too. No, yeah, no question. He didn't have a hole in his game. But his body just couldn't couldn't hold up. And how tough is that, like seeing a guy that's that good? It's tough. Because I played with Grant Hill too, same thing, yeah. ankles. You know what I mean? His, what it, Grant Hill, people don't understand, like, even if you really know the game, like Grant Hill was supposed to be like top five He was coming. Time. He was coming. Top. Grant Hill was yeah. an amazing talent. Yeah. He used to give Jordan and Pippen fits. Fits. And lock, them, and lock them up. Mike's you know lucky. I mean? That like, rivalry would have been good. Man. That would have been a fun rivalry going so into the I've late seen, 90s. So I've seen guy Chris Webber. Yeah. Chris Webber was a fucking monster till he had that knee right, injury. Right, right, you know right, what I right. mean? I played with him. You know what I mean? So I, I've seen it and, it, and it's tough to watch. You know what I mean? Because these guys are on this level and all of a sudden an injury really like kind of makes them come back as a, you know, uh, sometimes a, a shell of them. No. But uh, Baron Davis, yeah, for sure. I've seen, you know, and, and I know you've seen it. There's a lot of fuckery that happens in the NBA in terms of how guys are treated, how stars are treated. Now, when you were with AI, I don't know if it's the exact year. Motherfucker was putting up 33-8, and eight, and I think it was 06, 07. Three years later, two years later, he's out of the league. I was looking around like, what the fuck happened? How'd this happen? He was like, he had 58 on the Atlanta Hawks two years yeah. ago. He had 51 on the Lakers. Like, and now you see that happen with Melo. Like, yeah. And you go through, and you know Melo. Like, Melo is. Melo wants to hoop. You know, it's it's an interesting situation for both those guys, uh, you know, from a standpoint because it looked like early on, you got to think, when you're one of the chosen ones, and those are two of the best scores the game has ever seen, yeah. people don't understand how – to me, he gets the most disrespect that a superstar maybe has ever gotten. Probably. Melo is, man, a killer – but I think a little bit of Melo's own demise, and I kind of saw it coming, was when there would be talks to him coming off the bench at first, and he didn't like that. Right. You know what I mean? He's kind of like, kind of like I'm, I'm still Carmelo Anthony, like the disrespect. I think he took his disrespect, obviously, but I think the teams were looking at it as like, okay, if you come in and lock in as a six man, this is the way. This is this is my thinking. If he would have just accepted that almost the D Wade route mm -hmm. and been okay, I'm gonna be the six man. But you gotta think when you're the six man, at the you're gonna end up finishing the game anyway. So you're, when you're the six man, the the offense is gonna run through you. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have the second or third best player at that position guarding you because it's you know the rotations right. are, are in, and you dominate and then you finish the game. Yeah, you know what I mean. But Melo took a, a different route and it was kind of like you know I don't want to come off the bench. And, I mean, his resume spoke for him, you know what I mean? So I feel that way, too. But I think that was a little bit of 
kind of him possibly playing into his own demise, just not being like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to accept this because I just want to play. I think, I think the right thing to do would have been to say I'll do it and privately maybe make an issue about it and not go out and publicly say, oh, fuck that. But here's or, my j- or just do it because you got to think if you, if, you, if you accept that role and you start, you excel in that role, they could possibly just jump you to the starting lineup anyway. They kind of just, you know, they, they kind of just want to. And I saw where they come. But like I said, from the same time, this dude averaged That's what, what saying, it, 28 bro. points a game. That's it, it's tough. You know it's what I mean? So a, I think it, it, it's some, some guys that have been up here, it may be tough to accept lesser. You know, I wasn't in. Uh, yeah. You know Memphis with the you know when AI and they had a young Mike Conley out there, but I don't I don't know what happened out there. But it's just like it, it it could be hard when you're a legend and one of the greatest to ever do it, and then it comes to a point in your time where like oh damn I have to accept a lesser role to be a part of the team. And like I was a role player, so for me I was just I was gonna get in where I fit and I wasn't tripping. Right. But for guys that are up here that are Hall of Famers, it's just like it's probably tough. You and know, that what it looked like. And this is my theory on this. And it's always a guy that was a bucket getter. I think that getting a bucket and going out and having 50, 50, 55, 60, those games changes your entire... You feel like a fucking monster, unstoppable. Like you have a Matt Barnes guarding you and you're still getting 60. I think that changes your ego. Like you might be a D-Wade. Wasn't, D-Wade was a dog and D-Wade is one of the best ever. But he wasn't walking in, eyes closed, giving you 60 off, like just straight no, skill. No. Those guys had that no, arsenal. There's no question. Mellow and AI... And I think, that, I think that fucks with them a little bit because it's like, yo, I'm a god tier in this sport, bro. And you're telling me, like, yo, I can't do it at that level no more. Right. I think that's where that comes from. Right. A lot of guys have a resume, Dwight Howard now and, you know, D-Wade. And it's like, okay, I'll take that role. But And you know this because you've probably done it in high school, college, even overseas. Even in the summer, you probably you could do this anytime now. But, I mean, walking in a gym and getting 50 with your eyes closed and no one being able to defend you, do you think that changes guys' mentality a bit? Um... I mean, I think for those, I mean, I can't speak because I've never been that type of player. But for those guys, obviously, to do it on the highest level when we're speaking about Melo and AI, absolutely. I mean, like, there's not a motherfucker on the planet that can really guard them dudes. Like, like people don't understand how fucking good Melo was, man. Oh, my God. From pulling up from just inside half court to jab stepping you to death to backing you down to dunking on you to doing whatever. Like, Melo could do anything he wanted to. And he was big and strong and played like a fucking bull. You know what I mean? Like his Melo was a killer, man, and and that's why it trips me out. Like just the the the, the generation we're in it and the disrespect that he right. gets because that motherfucker was a killer. And he's disrespected. But one thing, and, and I have not a bad thing to say about Melo, but I think the pace that we talked about earlier did kind of fuck with him a little bit because, like I said, when you're in a half court set. And you have that quickness. You have that power. You can yeah. fuck play your game all day. Right. We, uh, and, and I see, like, when, when, when things are going good and people are making shots, and as long as he's touching, getting threes, but his strength was like, okay, let's slow down. And in a half, like yeah. you just said, a half-court setting, yeah. I can get a bucket on whoever. Three dribble and, max. Yeah, and that's where his strength was, you know what I mean? So that kind of when the game was transitioning out of that, I think teams saw less value in it. You know I mean like so we Melo, we just want you to run the lane and, and pull up and hit threes and we want you to, to you know to stand in the corner and like that's not his that's game. Not his you know, game. you're wasting it to, to I'm sure in his mind you're wasting the Hall of Fame talent by just sticking them somewhere. Yep. You know, and that's kind of where the game where we let the where a more spread, isolation game, like pick and quick pick and roll attack, it's a different game. Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? So I think that's why teams have seen less value in it. Um but to me, there's no way you can't tell me, like, if, if he's bought into the, the mentality of coming off the bench that he can't still help a team, and I hope he gets a chance to. And now when you, when you talk about these guys at their prime and their peak, 
primary defender, you prepare two, three nights. Who was the one guy that you prepared for and you were like, fuck? And I don't know, you weren't scared of nobody and you were No, I wasn't guy. scared of nobody, but I just, lo- it was, it, I loved it. You know yeah. what I mean? I was never scared. I was always excited. I was, like, every night, like, yeah. I, I didn't come out there wanting to score 30 points. Like, I wanted right. to come out there and go Make to war with wherever the fuck I was guarding. You know what I mean? So I kind of, the way I put people I guarded was Kobe, to me, was the toughest I ever guarded. KD was number two. Mello was three. Braun was four. D. Wade was five. And I think maybe I would do like I might be missing someone. T Mac. Like, ooh, damn! I forgot about T Mac. He had to be up there. That yeah. motherfucker jumped so high in his three point <laughs> shot. Um, it's yeah. tough, bro. I feel I, you. I, it I, gets yeah, tough G- after G- that yeah, three. Yeah, Ginobili and T yeah. Mac are in there somewhere. Ginobili, Ginobili was a motherfucker. And people don't know. Oh man, and he, he was someone that bought his whole career bought into that role. Yeah, you know what I mean. He could have started anywhere, obviously, and he bought yeah. into the situation of being the six man. But yeah. you know, that was one person that you prepare for. You ask anybody that played against him, you know he's going left, or the whole scheme is to keep him off his left hand, and he's still going to get to that bitch. And early in his career, he'll get down that lane and dunk that motherfucker. Right, right? you know what I mean. Go so up. people don't realize, and then he hit the step back behind the back yeah. three. Ginobili was a monster. So that, you know, like I said, that was my career like I could have did more offensively I could have scored more I could have took more time focusing on wanting to like I want to score I want to average 15 point like that just wasn't my role you know what I mean so I took my little 10 point 8 to 10 points whatever it was and I look I love trying to rebound and I love like try to lock people up bro I think there's a beauty I tell people all the time there's a fucking beauty in that like you know having that NBA patch on, having that NBA jersey on for 15 years and being out yeah. there and being able to compete, man. Yeah. Well, you Al, I mean, like, if you, if you, when I was playing, like, you saw me in the summertime, I was, any pickup game, I was, I could score 30. That's what I mean. You know, any summer league game, you look at any summer league <laughs> game, I'm scoring 30. But, like, in the NBA, and people, why don't you shoot more? And, like, that just wasn't my job. No. Like, I knew what the fuck, my, I'm playing with Kobe, that's not my job. I'm playing with, you know, J.J. Redick and Jamal and Chris Paul on the wing. That's not my job. Like, I'll get my shots. But I just knew my role, and that's why I was able to play, you know, as long as I played and stepped away, like, when I was ready to step away. You know what I mean? But that's so, props for being smart enough, because like you said, a lot of motherfuckers never understand not, that. They're not, and that's why people get in and out the league. You know, yeah, people yeah. a lot more. I've seen first first picks come and go, first yeah. rounders come and go, people that made $200 million come and go. I've had longer careers than them because, you know, some of it's bad luck, but some of just people just don't buy into what their job is supposed to be. It's about being a smart businessman at the end of the day, too, right? <sighs> if, the, if basketball is your business, you got to be smart about it. You know, and, and um, I was going to ask you, you know, you were talking about uh, Jamal. How is that guy? Because I feel like he was so underrated. Him and Ginobili probably both could have been first men for teams. And gave teams. Crazy that Jamal Crawford was never an all-star. He was definitely one of the most talented, you know, players I ever played with as far as on the, on the offensive side. The, yeah. His handle, his, his, his vision, he could yeah. pass the ball, he could shoot the ball from anywhere. His ability to draw fouls on three-point shots. Like, Jamal Crawford was very special yeah. and very underrated. And I think, I think um, you know... You seeing Steven Jackson, Jamal, Ginobili, like, and you saying I get 30 in a summer league game. People don't understand, and I try to tell folks, 
NBA players are so fucking good. They just look different on an oh, NBA man. level. The fifteenth, the fifteenth man on any team will bust anyone's ass at any open gym pickup. Any like people don't understand how like what kind of level it takes. Not especially now. There's so much shit talking. Like I can do this. I can like no motherfucker. You can't. <laughs> if you could, you would. You know what I mean if you could play in the NBA, you wouldn't be over here talking shit on the on the social media. You know what I mean? Like it's tough to be there. But like I said. It's just like you said when you get on the big level with the Monsters. best of the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta, you know, you gotta fit in and get, you know, or take get care out. of your business. So yeah. as we get out of this, you know, um, Matt Barnes, you still, I think you could have still gone. Like we said, you could have kept going still. Uh, I think I could have kept playing. I, if you know, so I played 15 years and I got paid for 17 because I had just signed a deal the year I stepped away. That's you know dope. what I mean? So I, like I said, I stepped away on my time. I just felt like I wasn't getting, you know, I was going through a, you know, a situation with my ex where I wasn't getting to see my kids as much, and that was time I couldn't get back. You know what I mean? So I played 15 years. Um, I was able to win a championship, even though it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. Like, and I just felt like, okay, this is, you know, it was a good run. But I was excited for what was next. You know, I was excited for spending more time with my kids, coaching my kids, taking them to school. What was next in business? You know what I mean? So I was ready for that transition. So that's why, you know, my retirement's been exciting. Like, I would never want to go back or, you know, a comeback or, you know, people wanted me to play in the big three. I'm just not, I'm not interested in playing basketball. Right You're now. at peace. Yeah, I'm at peace, man, with business, family, kids. Um, you know, I play traveling softball. That's like my passion now, you know, oh. so I travel around and play softball, but. And you've been, you've been in the weed business now, right? Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the cannabis space. I'm a part owner of a company called Seven Leaves up in Sacramento. And then I'm about six to eight weeks away from launching my own actual brand called Swish. Wow. Um, health and wellness, CBD, from A to Z, and then we'll launch the cannabis side as well. So my approach with that is, you know, I've been smoking weed since I was 14. I'm about to be 40 in March. Yeah. Um, I just always know how it made me feel. You yeah. know what I mean? So I smoked weed through high school, through UCLA, through my whole NBA career, just because I knew how it made me feel. Kind of just it, it allowed me to focus, allowed me to sleep. It took pain away. Yeah. It, you know, it took me out of like because my life is even though I was never a superstar, like my life is always out there. Oh yeah, reality TV bullshit oh, yeah. and this and that yeah, and yeah, divorce yeah, yeah. and fights and yeah. so like weed was able to kind of just okay, well this world is still screaming TMZ, ESPN, mm -hmm. everyone's saying all this shit about you, but I got to play a game still. You and, know, and, and a so lot of people allow me. They don't understand yeah. like the kind of level that kind of shit gets no. on. So. It just allowed me to focus, and like I said, post-career, I was glad to see that, you know, now that there's, there's medical studies backing up what I knew, I, you know, that, okay, well, cannabis is good for this, 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 CBD is good for that, so it's good to see that, you know, the, 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 the medical side is catching up and, and, and letting people know that this is a valuable plant that can, I really feel can help everyone from children to our grandparents in some fashion, um, if you learn it and study it like I've, I've started to do, so... That's became my new um, hobby. You know, that's what I'm trying to go pro in now. So, like I said, I have a company, and I'm launching my own brand, and I'm doing some social justice stuff within that and, and, and stuff in the uh, urban communities with this, man. So, myself, Al Harrington, shout out Viola. Uh, you know, we're teaming up and really trying to make a, 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 a movement. That is dope, man. Yeah. That is dope. Matt Barnes, 16, 15 years in the league, got paid for 17, uh -huh. maximized his role. Smart, intelligent. I think this comes down to just being intelligent, bro. Like it's you just, a G, I, but like you. I've, <laughs> I've just seen a lot, man. I, I grew up, you know, my, my, my dad was a drug dealer and a, and a butcher by day, a drug dealer by night, you know what I mean? So I just saw how he maneuvered and Damn. I just seen the hard knocks early, you know what I mean? But my parents were always, they always put me in, in, in 
good schools. So most of the time they put me in white schools. So I would see one side of the world yeah. and I would see the other side of the world. So, yeah, I think I got kind of the best of both worlds and just been able to maneuver through this this, this game they call life. You know, That's I've been in good. L.A. for a long time. So you just sit back and try to stay out the way and, 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 and enjoy it. Thank you for joining us, brother. No doubt, man. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you. Yeah.